Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. I'm excited. I, 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 uh, I love sports, but I love Jesus so much more. I mean, that's the right priority, don't you think? Amen. Don't you think? Amen. That's good. That's good. Well, football. I played from a little boy all the way through high school. I, I played football and organized sports, and I played offense and defense. Primarily, I was a defensive player, but there were times if they needed, you know, a big fullback to go through, and during my time through high school and all, now when you look at the size of fullbacks and linebackers, they're, they're just, it's, it's, it's not even normal how large these people are and how fast and how hard they hit. But if they needed a, an extra point to break through for a first down, whatever was necessary, they would bring me in to crush through the line. So I, I remember I, 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 the ball was snapped to the quarterback, and then I just got the handoff, and I went right through the middle, got the perfect blocks, and I got the first down, but then I started to accumulate more yardage. I'm thinking to myself, this is pretty good. Maybe I'll just go back to offense and not play defense as much. Then all of a sudden, I was blindsided. I was hit by two defensive players. One hit me high, one hit me low. When I went down, I literally saw stars. I had no idea where I was. Uh, uh, Obviously, it must have been a concussion, but back then, during high school days, you know, there was really no interest or focus on that like there is now. So the players, they get off of me, and then I get up, and I walk back to the huddle, and then a few of the guys there, they looked at me, and they said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm ready for the next play. Well, go to your huddle. Your team's over there. <laughs> then when the coach saw that, he said, Lauderback, your sideline. They brought me to the sidelines, and then all that I wanted more than anything was just to get back out in the play and be with my team members. And so I, I know that feeling. Eventually, the coach put me back in, and I was able to continue for the rest of the game. But spiritually, how does that apply? Spiritually, how can we draw from this theme, from sports? Because there are a lot of similarities in the aspect of support, unity, teamwork, preparation, excellence. That applies to our walk with God and with Christian ministry. And so today I want to talk about three men, three men with character flaws, three men who also face overwhelming odds. Any of you ever face overwhelming odds? Three individuals who you could say were guilty of unsportsmanlike conduct. I mean, that applies over into our walk with God, right? We react instead of respond. We're quick to speak rather than slow to speak. You know, so three men who were guilty of unsportsmanlike contact and the three individuals who in spite of their failure, here's the key, in spite of their failure, they chose to do what? Get in the game. And some of you, maybe you can identify Maybe your walk with God has been inconsistent. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes we lose our focus, our compass, you know, is put down. We're not following that true north. And so when these times happen in our lives, that's when decisions are made that we wish after the fact could be redone. And then we carry the regrets. Well, there's three individuals we're going to look at this morning who had those regrets too. They were human, they were flawed, 
But they chose, as the title of my message said, to get in the game. Get in the game. So with that in mind, do you know what the greatest deterrent any of us will face in life, whether saved or unsaved? I didn't say the greatest adversary. I said the greatest deterrent. The greatest deterrent we will ever face in life, let's personalize it, is you, is me, us. Why? Because we're the filter. We choose what comes in, what goes out. And if the filter is in an agreement with God, happy life, right? Eventually, when we begin to reap the fruit of right decisions. That's why a champion spirit, when you think about this in the way of sports, and the way of the game that will be played later this evening, but a champion spirit, just in general, just in general, it's all about one word, confidence. When you have confidence in your Lord, your walk with God is strong. When you have confidence in the profession, in your skills, in your abilities, then your performance is excellent. It shows. Confidence is everything. But when confidence is shaken, and that's what we can struggle with in life, in every facet of life, when confidence is shaken, then it affects performance. We've seen with some of the playoffs, those that had stellar, stellar seasons, some of the quarterbacks, some of the other receivers, running backs, then when it came to the pressure moments, they miss a play, they miss a catch, they throw an interception. And when that happens, all of a sudden, whether it's the quarterback, the running back, the receivers, they begin to second-guess themselves. Their confidence goes down a notch. And if it happens again, it goes down lower. And then those that have been performing above standard, all of a sudden, in a moment, in a moment, they've lost confidence. Now, a coach knows the best thing you can do for a player in any sport is to get them in the game. Let them continue. But then if it still gets to that place where it's just not happening, that's when there's a switch out, which is the ultimate confidence destroyer. So confidence is everything. How's your confidence today? How is your confidence, those of you watching this broadcast, what confidence level are you living life at? So you'll find then when it comes to the enemy and he attacking this whole dynamic in our lives, his strategy that he uses is to destroy the champion in you, in me. And the way he does it is by knocking down our confidence in God. Then we lose confidence in ourselves because didn't Paul say, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. I can tell you when I'm walking and ministering in the anointing, my confidence level is over the top. But when I feel like I'm alone or maybe for whatever the circumstance, something may have happened, and, and, and I just feel like, Lord, where are you? Yes, Pastor Craig has those moments. Life happens to all of us. And it's during those times that we take and, and really solidify, most importantly, that God has not forsaken us. But if we're slow to remember that, slow to confess that, then in those moments, that's when we stand in our own strength. And that's when poor decisions are made or we take and we run from the battle rather than running towards it like David. Aren't you inspired by the life of David? When he faced Goliath, all of the, all of the Israelite soldiers were running from the giant, the Philistine, you know, Goliath. And David, when he had gathered his five smooth stones, he ran towards the enemy. That's what confidence that can only come from Almighty God will do in our lives. 
So with all of this in mind, we want to look at someone who experienced some confidence issues in life, and his name is Samson. Everybody say Samson. Samson, did you know he was a miracle child? His mother had a barren womb. She could not conceive. She was the wife of Manoah, and they had tried, I'm sure, everything during that time and place of history with a lot less options than we have now in our modern scientific age. They had tried everything they could and they knew to do to have a child. And then you have the wife of Manoah, Samson's mother. They never really in Scripture, they don't state her name. They just refer to her as the wife of Manoah. So she cried out to God. And she was just pouring her heart. She was weeping, much like Hannah, who became the mother of Samuel when he was born. But she was weeping before the presence of God. And then something supernatural happens. Look at Judges chapter 13, verse 24. So the woman, the wife of Manoah. Be nice to have a name for it, wouldn't it? But the wife of Manoah, she was just all about God. So the woman, after the angel of the Lord had appeared to her and said, you will give birth to a son and you will call his name Samson and he will be a judge over the nation of Israel. And look at this. So the woman bore a son. When God gives a promise, when he gives his word, how many of you believe it comes to pass? <clears throat> Sometimes you may need to wait on that. And that's where we can get into trouble. We hate to wait, right? There was a whole campaign on television, I think it was with Burger King many years ago, where people would pull up to the drive through line here, drive through line there, and they would say, I hate to wait. And then finally, when they got to the drive through because of excellent customer service, food always prepared in advance, it was quickly in and then out. So sometimes when we don't see the results that we're looking for on our timeline, we get tired of waiting. But here, the mother of Samson, she believed the word of the Lord. And the day came, and again, Judges 13, 24. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson, just as she was instructed to do. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. There's nothing more valuable in our lives than to have God's touch, His blessing on us. His blessing is more than just fruitfulness. His blessing is His protection. His blessing is His strength, His wisdom, His insight, His knowledge. You know, sometimes I think we make mistakes because we lack discernment. We don't see things through God's eyes nor allow him the opportunity. We feel like just because maybe a door is open, then we should go for it. But just because we can doesn't mean we should. Did you hear that? Tuck that away. One day you'll use that. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. So here you have Samson. When he first discovered the anointing on his life, what God had equipped him with to be a judge over the nation of Israel and to protect them from surrounding enemies. Samson was just about his daily life and he was an ordinary man just like any of us. He wasn't high in stature. He wasn't this muscle-bound gladiator that when people would look at him they would just be intimidated. He looked as any other man. That's what scripture says. But then all of a sudden 
when the situation demanded it, this strength that was beyond any human being would come upon him. When you see the old Greek mythological movies like with Hercules, Hercules was muscle, muscular in the appearance they give him, but he was also strong. Whereas here with Samson, he looked as any other man, and that's why he was such an enigma to his enemies, because they couldn't figure out, here a guy who didn't have this physique, but yes, he could do the supernatural phenomenon because of the strength he was endowed with. So here he is, the first time he discovered he had this special gift. He was out doing his thing. Then all of a sudden, a lion comes upon him. And the Scripture says, when the lion leapt upon him, he grabbed it. Can you imagine? He probably called it like a football. That's a phenomenon right there. He grabbed, and it says in Scripture, he ripped the lion in pieces. My goodness, I struggle with ripping several pieces of paper in half. And yet he ripped this lion in pieces. That's a confidence builder, don't you think? Then another situation that transpires, and there are many examples. I would encourage you to read the book of Judges, especially where Samson is depicted, his historical legacy, his life. And then another time, you have 3,000 Philistines that come against him. Soldiers with shields, spears, and swords. They ambush him because they want to stop whatever this thing is that helps Israel. They want to stop it. So he's ambushed. Samson looks around for something he could use as a weapon. All that he found was the jawbone of a donkey. I know the King James Version uses a different word for donkey, but we'll stick with donkey today. Somebody say amen. And so he picks up this jawbone of a donkey, and then he begins to do battle. Within moments, 1,000 of the enemy combatants, the Philistine soldiers, are killed. The remaining 2,000 said, we're not going to stay around to see if we become included in the next 1,000 or the third 1,000. And they ran for their lives in fear. Samson had found and is now understanding what God had equipped him with to protect the nation of Israel. But as can happen to anyone, sometimes when we experience and encounter the blessing of God, the anointing of God, and our confidence is at an all-time high, then that's when an independent spirit can come in. What do I mean by independent spirit? Where we feel like we're above others. We're extra special. Now, our position is special. But we as people, we're all loved equally in the eyes of God. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad you're loved just as much as Billy Graham when he walked this earth was loved by God? Now he's in the presence of God. No one is loved above another. God has no favorites. And what he does for one, he'll do for all in the way of his blessing. Our ministries may differ, but God loves us on an equal playing field. That brings me comfort. Because I know there are those that I have relationship with, those that I just watch from a distance, have no relationship with, and they're like superstars. And sometimes the thought will hit me, oh, God must really love them. Oh, if only I could be like that. You know, and then God settles me. But with Samson, because he began to focus on himself, and that's what happens, then we feel like we're above accountability. We're, we're above, you know, uh, you know, 
being held in, in position, you know, and that our walk with God is just as imperative as, for, as it is for anyone else. In fact, even more so, because doesn't Scripture say those who are given much, much is required from them? So with the higher the level that we choose to say yes to in our walk with God, in our ministry with God, then the Lord actually says, walk holy, walk with integrity. You never know when people are watching, amen? My wife said to me, uh, we were driving and uh, we were going to get a Starbucks and this car just came flying through the parking lot of the, of the whole complex, going through where all of the cars park, everything, just in a hurry to get who knows where. And so I was just pulling up and was going to park. And I pulled in, and just as I put my car, my truck, in park, this guy hugs his horn at me, and he yells at me. He says, hey, what are you doing, buddy? Didn't you see me coming? I said, well, I'm parking. What are you doing? The same as you. And I said, well, have a great day, right? But I've got to tell you, my flesh was ready to bring accountability to that man. <laughs> but as James says, be slow to speak. Everybody try that with me on three. One, two, three. All right. Now, Hugh, you didn't do it with me. One more time. One, two, three. All right. All right. Praise the Lord. Slow to speak, quick to listen. Well, Samson, he didn't answer to anybody from his own mind. and So all of a sudden, his, his lifestyle began to change. He was privy to a Nazarite vow, which with a Nazarite vow, he was forbidden to consume any form of grapes any form of grapes, no contact with corpses or graves. And he then was also forbidden from cutting the hair on his head. But then as he began to see this anointing that empowered and enabled him to do great exploits, <clears throat> all of a sudden he started drinking the wine. And then as things continued, he's broken one part of the vow. Then here he is, he, he was around a corpse, remember the dead lion that had honey within it? He was forbidden to be around that. When his, when, when his father died, he was not allowed to go to the funeral. Then all of a sudden, he began to change his choices. Then he started womanizing. Even though he was married, he started having extracurricular relationships. He was known for his wine, his women. And everybody knew he was a judge, but people were afraid to speak up because he had this great endowment of strength. Finally, the Philistines said, we, we've got to stop this guy or we're going, to, we're, we're going to lose our kingdom. We're going to lose our grip on the neck of Israel. And so what they did, they hired the services of a seducing woman by the name of Delilah. You know, you hear a lot about Jezebel, but there's also a Delilah spirit. And so she works her way in and the Philistines, everybody knew that, that, that Samson just, he had a taste for women. And so she begins to come in. Scripture brings out she was beautiful. And whenever sin is attached to something, it becomes mysterious, like the, the, like the forbidden fruit for Eve. You know, there's a, a degree of appeal to our flesh because, you know, that's what temptation is. It's not, so, not, also, it's not only causing us to go against what God has commanded, but with that, verbal or that mental thought that says, do this, there's also desire. So Samson, he looked at her. She was pleasing to the eye. 
And because she was forbidden, just like the bad boy or the bad girl, you know, there was even a greater attraction. So the relationship grew finally to the point where he then reveals the secret to his strength. After many attempts prior and Samson just treating it as a game, as a riddle, finally he opens his heart to her. She had won his trust. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants us as believers to let down our guard, to let down our walls, and just begin to reveal and compromise. And that's eventually what happened to Samson. You see, if you continue in the wrong place long enough, you'll make the wrong decisions. It always follows. Those of like spirit attract each other. And that's why we need to guard our hearts. Guard what spirit is influencing us. The spirit of the world, a demonic spirit, or the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. How many of you believe the Holy Spirit will never lead us into disgrace, but only to honor as we honor the Lord? Well, Samson reveals the secret to his strength. Then he falls asleep in a drunken stupor. And during that time, that's when Delilah has his head shaved. Samson didn't even know when he finally woke up as a Philistine battalion barged into the tent. He didn't even know the anointing and the presence of God had left him. Didn't even know. He becomes so accustomed to that lifestyle. He thought God needed him rather than he needed God. Then he's grabbed. He said, I will destroy you just as I have many times. But this time it was a different scenario. He was captured. He was tied. His eyes were gouged out. And he became the object of mockery for the Philistine people. But one day, everybody say one day. Samson, his heart broken, his spirit and pride broken, but yet he knew what to do even at the lowest moments of his life. He cried out to God. His hair began to grow. And unbeknownst to the people around him, they had become so used to this, their confidence was in their own strength rather than realizing the God of Israel is stronger than any God because he's the only God. Amen? Amen? And that's when, look at this together with me in Scripture. This is when Samson revealed his desire to get back in the game. Judges 16, 28 through 30. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, O Lord God, remember me. If some of you feel like and some of you watching online feel like you've been forgotten, God's not forgotten you. But like Samson, verbalize. Cry out to God. Say, Lord, remember me. He'll hear that cry. Samson cries out, Oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me. Not only will he remember you, but if you ask him, he will strengthen you. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once. Oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right, the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it, so the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his lifetime. Samson had been sidelined. And for him, it looked like the game was over. 
was done. No eyes, a mockery, a prisoner of the enemies of Israel. But then he cried out to God. And that changed everything. Our God is the God of new beginnings. Amen? Let me say it again. Our God is the God of new beginnings. Come on, hearty. Amen. Yes, he is. So it looked like game was over for Samson. But when Samson cried out to God, his strength returned. His life went then. If you look at his very beginnings, you know, he became a man of faith. But then because of bad decisions, he went from faith to failure. But because he cried out to God to get back in the game, to be restored, Lord, remember me, restore my strength, he went from faith to failure and then back to faith. Hallelujah. Samson's life is a testimony of what God can do if we will call upon his name, no matter what our decisions in the past have been, if we make it right with Almighty God. He will restore the years the locusts have eaten away, and he will do a new thing. How many of you are ready for a new thing in your life? How many of you watching online, you're ready for a new thing in your life? Praise the Lord. All because Samson chose to get in the game, everything changed. And do you know what? You can do the same thing. You can do the same thing. What man calls hopeless, God calls hopeful. I've got to tell you, I've faced some hopeless things in my lifetime. Thank God we serve the God who's referred to as the Ancient of Days. Nothing surprises him. He was there before it happened. He'll be there after it happened. He is faithful. And do you know who else we see this same testimony with? The life of Gideon. Gideon, another judge over the nation of Israel, another hero of faith. In fact, to me, Gideon is really an intriguing figure. He was the son of Joash, and he was from the tribe of Manasseh. Now, that may not mean anything to some of you, but if you do your history, you'll find that Manasseh was the weakest clan in all of Israel. And then out of that entire clan, which had hundreds of people in it, Gideon was known as the weakest, the least of his clan. Now, you can't get any lower than that. But God likes to work with the least so he can demonstrate what's possible if we only believe. So God chose to use a broken man to free Israel. And if you feel broken, God can use you to snap the chains on the lives of others if you'll just say, yes, praise the Lord. So here when we look at this, God using him, look at Judges chapter 6, two verses, 11 and 12. This is when the call of God came to Gideon. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was, also, which was in Ophah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat. The father was keeping lookout. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, appeared to Gideon, and said to him, a man in a wine press, threshing wheat, God forbid if he had allergies, hay fever, all of that dust that is being elevated, he's breathing it. His father wouldn't even get in that wine press. He's watching from a distance in order to see if the Midianites do come. Run, Forrest, right? Run, Gideon, run. And so there he is, and then the Lord appears 
in this really debasing moment and says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Gideon didn't get it because in the beginning, he has a conversation of objection. When the Lord begins to unveil through this angel what, the, what God is going to do through this man, Gideon has excuse and reason one after another after another. Not me. Not me. Now why did Gideon do that? Because he was blinded by his fear. And his fear had destroyed, stolen, what? His confidence. Remember, confidence is everything. And when God anoints us, empowers us, and we know we've heard from God, hallelujah, we have the confidence, even like David, to face a giant. Even like Samson, to capture and rip in pieces a lion. Take down a thousand Philistine soldiers. The Jericho walls for Joshua came down because he had confidence. And when God is the one feeding that confidence, all things are possible. But yet Gideon had no confidence because he was blinded by fear. My word to you is don't allow fear to blind your faith. Don't allow fear to cause you to miss and not see God. Even in the worst situations you might be facing right now, he is always there. Scripture says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Praise the Lord. But here you have Gideon. He, he's blinded by fear. But aren't you glad that God saw Gideon through the eyes of faith, not through the eyes of Gideon. If, if God was depending on Gideon's track, his record, his track record, I mean, he would have never called him. But God sees what we don't see in others and even in us. Thank the Lord for that. And when Gideon encountered God's presence at this wine press, his whole perspective changed. His life changed. He began to look through the eyes of God, which enabled him to see what God sees. And that is the key to a successful Christian life, and it's also the key to empowered ministry. We're all called to a ministry, but a lot of people say, I can't do that. I know what I'm capable of. I know who I am. No, you don't know who you are. God knows who you are. We just know if we're in disagreement with God's narrative and his principles of faith, we just know what the devil's telling us. Or we just know what we've done in the past. But listen to me, your past doesn't determine your future. You can't recapture your past, but you can do something about your present, your current, your here and now. There's more power, I've said this before, in your future than the past that has already shaped you. Why? Because the past is gone, but the future is waiting to be stepped into. Answer that wait with a divine yes. And then you stand and watch and see what God will do through you. He got out of that wine press. And then he faced. He faced then over 100,000 plus Philistine enemies or Midianite enemies. And when he faced them, all he had was 300 men. He began with 30,000. Then God said, you've got too many. Now, I would have thought 30,000 weren't enough. In my own humanity. But God says, you've got too many. Take them down. Take them down to the, to, 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 to the river and let them drink. And, and so they drink. And then there he is with 300. You would think, okay, we can do something with this. But God still thought there was too many. Finally, with just 100 plus, Gideon is able to accomplish what no man could ever accomplish. And he defeated all 
of the Midianite combatant soldiers. And he reestablished the nation of Israel. All because what? He chose after his failure, after his fear, after his loss of confidence, or maybe never even had confidence. He chose to get in the game. And that's what God's waiting on for all of you. It's time to get in the game. Then there's another individual I want to close with who also had a transformation. And his name is Peter. Peter was a devout follower of Jesus Christ for three and one half years. Can you imagine sitting at the feet of Jesus for three and one half years? You weren't reading the Torah on your own. There was no New Testament. It was being written from the beginning of Jesus, the whole New Testament, then the epistles, which would follow through the apostles, you know, that, that began to write down and, 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 and keep a record with the Gospels and then also the letters of encouragement to the other churches that were being established. But all that they had was the Torah. But they not only studied the Torah on their own, but now they were learning directly from the greatest rabbi, the greatest preacher, teacher. They were learning from God himself, Jesus Christ. So Peter walked with and learned from the Lord. But then in a moment of weakness, you all knew the story. On the night of our Lord's betrayal, when the mock trial was set in place, all of the disciples had run in fear, but Peter was trying to hang in there. He was trying to stay in the game. So finally, when a young damsel saw him, you're one of them. I know you are. I saw you with him. And that's when he panicked. It's amazing what fear can do. And so he then, using profanities, he curses. And he says, I've never known him. Never. It's not a part of my life. That's when he heard the cock crow. And he remembered what Jesus said would take place. Peter was devastated. He had walked with the Lord. He was impulsive, but he was growing. Peter was the one that Jesus says, your name is Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the keys to the kingdom I'll give to you. Now, obviously the rock was not Peter, but Jesus. But Jesus, as he's teaching again Peter, he says, on this rock, on me, Peter, as you place your faith in me, I'll build my church, and then I'll give you the keys. What are keys? Possessions of authority that open doors so that the gospel can grow. People can be set free. Prison cells opened. On this rock, I'll build my church. and The gates of hell won't prevail. And you will be given the keys of the kingdom. Peter remembered all of that. I'm sure everything that Jesus had spoken to him. Now Satan was reminding him how far he had fallen short. Then, Scripture says in one of the Gospels, when Peter looked after the cock crowed, Jesus and Peter made eye contact. Can you imagine looking into the eyes of Jesus, his broken heart, and Peter seeing what I said I wouldn't do, I did. Peter was crushed. He ran from that place broken, but also filled with fear, not knowing if he would be next. Like Samson, though, and like Gideon, Peter's unbelief put him out of the game. But then Peter remembered something. And it's true of you, too. It's found in John's Gospel, chapter 17. But Peter didn't remember that. He's remembering this portion right now I'm going to read to you. Luke 22, verse 32. 
after Peter had made all of these confessions, though everyone else denies you, Lord, I will never deny you. And then Jesus said, before the cock crows, you'll deny me. But then he continued that statement with this. However, aren't you glad for howevers? However, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, Jesus already knew he was going to fall. He would turn away. But Jesus was prophesying because it had not happened yet. But Jesus was declaring what wasn't as though it would be. He was speaking over Peter's life. He says, but when you have returned to me, and God is speaking the same thing over all of you, and those of you who are watching online, if you feel like you've missed the mark, and since that one decision or whatever it's been, a a continual decision, you just feel like you're so unworthy and unusable, but Jesus has prayed for you. And just as he said to Peter, he says, when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. Do you know what I found? When we walk through something that reveals a weakness in us, an area of independence of God, an area that we had more pride in ourselves to, to really be strengthened and have the victory than we had confidence in Almighty God to keep us and strengthen us and continue us. Then what takes place when, when we finally make that choice again, it's like we feel like, well, this is the one area I'll never have victory over. Well, I'm here to tell you it's not true. Why? Because Jesus has prayed for you. But you've got to allow the Lord to reveal that truth so that you can hear his call saying, come off the sidelines. Get in the game. You have value. You're usable in my sight, my grace. You see, when when Peter had taken and denied the Lord, you know, it had put him out of the game. You could say in modern day boxing, it was a knockout punch. But Jesus prayed for him. See, Jesus knew Peter's beginning, middle, and end, and he knows yours and mine as well. Nothing we do surprises him. He even sees our comeback, but let's let it begin sooner than later. Amen? Peter gave up on Jesus during that time, but Jesus never gave up on Peter, and he hasn't given up on any of us as well. In fact, you'll find when you look at this, look at Matthew 28, 5 and 6. Jesus had been crucified. He was in the ground from the perspective of all of the followers and those who hated him. He was in the the tomb, in the grave. So Christianity was over from the perspective of the Roman Empire, the Jewish religious leaders, and even the few followers he had in those beginning stages. Everything seemed done, but honestly, it was quite the opposite. When you read in Scripture, you see that Marian had gone, Marian, Mary had gone to visit the tomb just to grieve and to pray. And finally, she, what she supposed was the gardener, the caretaker you know, of that whole burial area, was really an angel of the Lord sitting on top of the stone. So it didn't make sense to her. And he said to her, Miss, and I'll obviously paraphrase him, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? So have you stolen his body? Do you know who stole his body? He had talked about the resurrection over and over and over and over and over again. But fear had blinded their faith. 
Their confidence was at an all-time low. So every word Jesus emphasized time and time again, they had forgotten. And then look what happens here. The angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here. Why? He is risen. He is risen. And that's the Lord we serve. And that's why after every failure, there's always a comeback. But our greatest deterrent, as I opened with, is you and me, us individually. Either we choose to believe it's time to get in the game, or we choose to believe no hope for me, everyone but me. And we believe a lie, literally the words of Satan, over the word of God. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was the greatest comeback that was, that is, and will ever be in the history of all time and even eternity. And now it's your turn. It's all of our turn to do what? To get in the game. How many are ready to get in the game? Maybe you've sidelined yourself. God hasn't, but maybe you did. God's word today, or if you're in a state of inactivity, and God's trying to recruit you and you're saying no to every representative, like the scouts that are sent out to look at different prospects, whether for baseball, football, lacrosse, whatever it may be. And every time God sends a representative, a scout, nah, it's not for me, it's not for me. God is saying to flee from inactivity and get in the game. You're no longer restricted to the sidelines. That's the word of the Lord. This is the moment you have been praying, longing, and hoping for. This is your season right now. God is resurrecting. What's he resurrecting? The champion spirit in you. Amen? Amen. Give him praise because that's the word of the Lord to all of you. And today when we even look at this game that will be played. The winner will be determined by those that maintain their confidence and their champion spirit to win. But for us, our champion spirit comes from our resurrected Savior. And I want everyone to stand now. And I want to pray a prayer. A prayer that gives birth to the champion spirit gives birth to your spiritual life, gives birth to the dreams and the anointing and the plans and purposes God has for you. I want to pray this prayer of commitment, which will not only be confessing Him as our Savior, but reaffirming, Lord, I'm available. Lord, I say yes. I want to get in the game. Use me again, Lord. I'm putting my past behind me, and I'm pressing forward in this new season, this new hour, this new day. Amen? Amen. Lift your hands towards heaven, everyone. Those of you watching at home, do the same thing. Just lift your hands up as a sign of surrender before Almighty God. And pray this prayer, everyone, nice and loud. Pray it with me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I confess with my mouth 
I believe with my whole heart that Jesus Christ is now my Savior and Lord. I forget the past and I embrace the present and the future before me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, the champion spirit. I am excited to get in the game. In Jesus' name, amen. Now give God praise. Come on, give Him praise. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.